Listeners, we have an incredible episode lined up for you today, and it's a little longer than our usual episode, but Nancy Lamborn is on fire. So pay attention and get ready for this episode this week. You're listening to the Rediscovering Biblical Manhood podcast. We're growing men who fear the Lord, but do not fear their identity in Christ. The enemy is hard at work in our fallen world. So come on, join us in fighting for the restoration of men's hearts through the church, the word, and our risen Savior, Jesus. Well, click, clack, welcome back. We are here in another episode of Rediscovering Biblical Manhood. And for me, Chica, your host, I am super excited because this out of our 50 plus episodes is the very first time Jay Teresi is not here because I have a very special guest to continue the conversation around mental time travel. So ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the podcast this week. Miss Nancy, Nancy, how are you this morning? I'm well. I love the title of this podcast. <laughs> I'm doing great. Thank you. I'm so glad to have you here. And and for the listeners, we are in the middle of a series where we've been speaking about, is it biblical to think forward? Is it biblical to, to reflect back? Is Is it just our calling to be in the moment? And we've talked about looking forward. We've talked about being in the moment. And I brought Nancy on this week. Uh, Because Jay and I have spent a lot of time with Nancy and her ministry talking about looking back. And so I'm looking at Nancy right now with a Zoom call and smiling because working with Nancy has been incredibly fruitful for myself personally, as well as for my marriage and for my walk in faith. And so listeners, sit up, pay attention. This is going to be an extraordinary episode. No pressure, Nancy. Uh, And I'm excited to just walk through what is your ministry, what do we do, and and how does this reflect for all of the men and women listening? So, Nancy, why don't you give us a quick overview? Who are you? What do you do? Like, what is your ministry? All right. So, my ministry is called Rebuilding the Ruins, and that was actually given to me by the Lord uh, when I began my journey of healing, and that was coming up on seven years ago now. That's based out of Isaiah 61, where... It says, and this is what Jesus quoted, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me to bring good news to the poor, to release captives, to heal uh, brokenheartedness. And part of that verse says they will rebuild the old ruins. So when you think about that picture, it's perfect segue into the conversation today. Rebuilding old ruins means something devastating happened in the past and everything is in shambles and rubble. And We want to rebuild it. And what do we have to do when we rebuild ruins? We pull all of the old bricks out. We figure out how did the foundation crack? What caused the destruction in the first place? We clear away the debris and the mud and the dirt, and we build something new in its place. So rebuilding the ruins does that on the heart level. I spend four, maybe five hours uh, with someone in their first session with me. And we talk about everything from generational baggage or also what is known as uh, destructive family patterns. You know, there's grandpa's anger and mom's depression and Aunt Mary's alcoholism and Uncle Joe's uh, uh, divorce and how those have all impacted me Uh, throughout my life and now in my own adult life, how are those things playing out in me, right? Mm. The Bible calls it generational sin. 
But then our own sin is a big area where we kind of don't think about how our sin has affected us. Things I have believed because of the sin that I have engaged in, you know, the kid that steals money and doesn't get punished for it. The enemy can begin to lie to that child and say, well, this is who you are. You're always a thief. And that actually is what happens. They become a lifelong uh, thief and they end up in a lot of trouble in adulthood. So our own sin plants things in us that cause destruction and lies that we don't recognize. Um, Another part of the rubble that we have to dig through is the lies, the belief systems that we have picked up because of the past. You know, how my grandmother treated me, how the coach uh, singled me out and and humiliated me in front of everyone over and over again, Uh, how what a boyfriend did to me, uh, what my parents failed to do. Those are all areas of woundings that where, where lies can be created that I begin to live my life out of these belief systems. I'm unworthy. Uh, no one will ever love me. I don't deserve happiness or good things. Uh, this state of fear is how it's always going to be for me. Those types of lies and belief systems that we don't often even know we're walking in, right? And then another big area of the rubble we have to go through is trauma. Trauma in the past, whether it's, um, you know, the car accident where I almost died, uh, watching my dog get hit by a car because my dad didn't fix the gate. These are all traumas, emotional traumas, physical traumas. And so those are kind of the high level uh, groupings of what we go through when we're trying to rebuild what the enemy has destroyed. Unbelievable. Well, listeners, I told you to sit up, pay attention. Thank you, Nancy. Uh, and I'm so thankful for the ministry. And I'm so thankful that you're here today. Uh, if you don't mind, I want to pray for us right now before we jump into Absolutely. unpacking some of this cool stuff that you just brought to the table. And um, yep. and then we can continue on, on this conversation. Heavenly Father, thank you for Nancy. Heavenly Father, thank you for her ministry, Lord. And I ask that as we continue to talk through this idea of looking back at what has happened to us as individuals in our walk in faith, Lord, I just ask that you bring your spirit to this conversation. And we reject, as Nancy said, all the agreements of the enemy for both our listeners as well as us during this conversation. And we just ask that we can walk in the fruit of the spirit, Lord, and give Nancy the power to translate everything that she does so that it can be heard and felt by the listeners listening in. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, Nancy. Well, You've set a you've set a very nice table, a very elegant table of what you do. Um, there was a couple of words that stuck out for me then as you were speaking that maybe we can we can start to unpack before uh, I talk about my experience with you as well as the, the the fruits that have come from my experience working with you as well. You said um, wounds for somebody that doesn't understand what a wound is. And then I want maybe you can weave in agreements as well, like what you were just speaking to there. What is a wound for for just a, a boy, a man, a a young girl, a young woman? Like what is a wound? And then maybe bring that from a physical wound that we may have seen on TV to you know a spiritual wound that that what you may be referring to. Yes. So the first thing that comes to mind is the Disney movie called The Kid with Bruce Willis. Oh my goodness! If you've never seen it, I highly recommend it. The concept is Bruce Willis is this worldly, uh, successful, somewhat narcissistic single man, and his childhood self appears 
and they're trying to figure out together why why are you here? Why have you, 11-year-old me, shown up in my adult life? What's going on? And they have adventures together, and it's quite sweet and funny, but they end up back at a pivotal moment in the 11-year-old boy's life where his father, who was harsh, stoic, um, cold, irritable, he and his father have a, a big altercation. This young boy who just wanted the approval of his father and the attention and the time with his father, which all boys need, this father wouldn't give that. He, did, he, he was gruff and busy. And the young boy tries to help him with a particular mechanical project, and he loses a screw. And it's such a minor thing. But the altercation is the young boy comes home, and the father is screaming at this little boy in the face because his mother is in her process of dying from cancer mm. in this moment. And the father blames the son. Uh, for causing his mother more pain and for being selfish. And this young boy's crying and the father is actually physically assaulting him a little bit and saying, you're never going to cry again. Stop crying. Stop crying. You're not allowed to have these tears. And this was the moment where this little boy was deeply wounded. He believed he was responsible for his mother's death. He was devastated at the rejection of his father. He'd never got the approval and love that he needed. And he had made an inner vow that he would never cry again because we don't do that. We don't show emotion. And so this moment, uh, the young Bruce Willis and the adult Bruce Willis have this reckoning like, oh, wow, this moment was a, a milestone in a not a good way in his life that made him who he is today. Mm. And so there's much tears, there's much freedom. So you can see the wounding that came out of that event um, that made him believe tears were unhealthy, that he didn't deserve anyone's affection, uh, and that he needed to just be stoic and hard. So the woundings, they can be physical woundings. Um, a father who's very abusive, physically violent, puts holes in the walls, um, abuses my mother, abuses me. Uh, or they can be emotional woundings mm. of you're never going to be like your sister and why did I have you and and you're good for nothing and you're and name calling, that sort of thing. So all of those create just deep. The Bible actually calls these being shattered in the Psalms. It talks about being shattered and heart that shatters our hearts when we're children. Um, and those create, it's almost like a gangrene or some other festering wound that's deep inside. We are taught as a culture, shove it down. It didn't matter. That's, you know, ignore it, move on. But the truth is, is that those places of woundings that are not dealt with, they fester and they cause, for example, a, a boy who grows up to get married and now he has children and he has locked away the memories of this harsh, abusive father. And now suddenly, even though he's very happy to have a child with a two or three-year-old child who's being a normal two or three-year-old, he finds himself erupting completely inappropriately. Mm. And he was like, where's where that from? come from? Why is, why am I responding this way? I don't understand this and I can't help it. And so that is an evidence that there's a deep wound 
that is there that he has not dealt with and he's now reacting out of it unreal and so nancy then and i know the answer to this but i'd love for you to share with the listeners so in your work then if i'm sitting in front of you how do you encourage me to go back to those wounds and like what's the almost like the the framework that you're using and i don't know whether and i'll let you 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 discover this with us how do you dive into to me as your client and help me understand what my wound is and then what do we do to kind of cut it off or seal it off or snap it off right so in my particular ministry i spend almost two hours in what's called an interview process and with all of the training and certifications and tools that i have in my tool belt i know where most of these woundings can occur. So we do, I do the same list of questions for everyone that sits in front of me. What was your mother's demeanor like in your home growing up? Were you wanted by her? Did she have favorites? Um, Did you feel wanted by your father? Did he show you affection? Did you have enough as a family? Uh, Were you allowed to have an opinion that differed? Mm. And as we're answering these questions, everyone begins to share their own story um, 90% of the people who are sitting in front of me, most of the story is not positive. Um, you know, just yesterday, um, mom and dad were too busy to be parents. They had four children, but they left us for four months and traveled the world on a cruise when I was five years old Mm. and left me with this gruff, abusive grandmother. That's devastating. That is abandonment. It wasn't okay. So as I begin to ask all of these questions, uh, people freely, and they're like, oh, I haven't thought about this thing in in years, but I have this vivid memory of standing on the porch, being held back by my grandmother. I'm screaming as my parents drive away. That's trauma. Mm. And so as everyone is telling me their story and I'm asking the questions, you know, how did your mother treat your father? Did your father have ever have an affair? Did they stay married? If they divorced and remarried, how did your step parents treat you? Oh, they treated me as the stepchild. I was never part of the family. I was treated as the slave, whatever comes out with all of the questions. So in this process, in my ministry, I'm writing down everything that is not positive, right? We don't get wounded in the positive. We only get wounded in the negative. Oh, that's huge. So I'm writing down in their words, dad called me an idiot. Mom said I was a loser. Uh, Dad punched holes in the walls. I was terrified of him. We walked on eggshells around mom. Dad said, you make her happy no matter what, whatever their words are. And so we gather this big picture of story and I'm through the Holy Spirit and through experience, I'm looking for the things that need to be dug into further you know the standing on the porch screaming as they abandoned me for three months not only is that a wound but i've probably picked up a lie or a belief system from that oh wow such as people will always leave me or i'm not worthy for my parents to stay i'm not worthy of love i don't deserve whatever it is the lord will reveal what that lie is so i'm looking for those things and the holy spirit is often saying pay attention to that dig more into that you know i i i feel like a i i have chickens and i have a rooster and roosters protect the flock and the rooster 
walks around the yard with one head, his head is cocked. One eye is on the sky looking for hawks and danger. And then one eye is on his hens. And I feel like I'm somewhat like that rooster where one ear is facing towards the Holy Spirit. So good. And the other one is listening and looking at the client. And so if the Holy Spirit says, ask him if his mother ever tried to commit suicide. And that isn't a question that I normally would ask anyone. But when the Holy Spirit drops that in me, I immediately ask it. And 99% of the time, oh, yeah, she did or she threatened to or whatever. And so it's this beautiful conversation with them and Holy Spirit building the picture of what the pile of rubble looks like. Mm. So we get through all of that. Um and then we take a break. <laughs> well, I remember, but, yeah. I mean, I, I think that all of that for, for the listeners, when I did this, my first session with Nancy, it was like seven or eight pages of handwritten notes that yes, yes, you it were is. able to, to <laughs> translate back to me at the end. I'm like, good night. I didn't say that much, but yeah, keep going, keep yes, going, keep going. Yes, so once, sure. you, once, you've, once you've explored the rubble, what happens next? Mm-hmm. So then we have, um, we have a process and in a nutshell, we do a significant amount of forgiving. Mm. We think as adults, oh, I forgave it. It's fine. We've kind of, oh, yeah, it was what it was. But I have to remember that who I need to forgive for today is the five-year-old that got left screaming on the porch. Okay? I have to forgive for the 12-year-old that was humiliated mm. and the nine-year-old that was never seen. So not the, the perpetrator, but the heart. person, right? Yes, right. I have to forgive for what happened in that moment, not for how I see it now as an adult. Okay. So, but forgiveness, there's something supernatural about forgiveness. Um, You know, I tell everyone the same parable that Jesus told about the servant who wouldn't forgive. He owed his master a ridiculous amount of money. Turns out it's almost a billion American dollars is 10,000 talents. It's what the biblical story is. The master forgave it, but the next day that forgiven man wouldn't forgive a thousand dollars. And so Jesus tells the that you'll be tortured and tormented if you don't forgive. But I also do a bit of educating that, you know, forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is a decision that I make out of obedience. But there's something supernatural that we cannot see that affects the 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 I guess I'll call it the spirit realm. That when I forgive. There is a massive severancing and separation uh, between me and the perpetrator that is tangible to my heart and my body, um, but it doesn't make logical sense, right? It, why should I forgive? That is unforgivable. Many people say that is unforgivable. And the truth is, when we look at the Lord, we look at how he was able to forgive. Even he was being nailed on the cross. He says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That is the true reality is that the people who harmed me, they didn't know what they were right, doing. They right. had no idea of the devastation. So we do a lot of forgiving, and we forgive line by line. Mom, I forgive you for leaving me to travel the world. Dad, I forgive you for being harsh. Mom, I forgive you for committing suicide in front of me. All the words that the client has spoken in their words, you know, even if it's a curse word, uh, I forgive you for being a blankety blank. Uh, I forgive you for calling me a blankety blank. I'm using their words. Mm -hmm. And then we're releasing it to the Lord. We do a lot of forgiving. We do a lot of repenting. Uh, 
You know, we didn't walk through our lives perfectly free of sin. We rebelled. We snuck out. We slept around. We cheated on the exam. We bullied so-and-so. We drank heavily. We tried all the drugs. We have to repent for that. Mm -hmm. And repentance, the, the Greek definition of repentance means to change my mind, to align with God's mind about a thing. So I want to agree. I don't want to pass it off. Oh, that was just me sowing my wild oats. It was no big deal. No, no, it was a big deal. The Lord didn't approve of that. So I want to agree with the Lord that, yeah, that this was not your best will for me. So we repent for everything we've done. We're also looking for the destructive family patterns, the generational things, and things like um, my mother had a Ouija board in the house and read tarot cards to her friends. That's very dangerous. It's witchcraft. It opens us up to the occult and to night terrors. Uh, I played with, you know, Dungeons and Dragons or, uh, you know, all of the occult things. I participated in seances and uh, went to a psychic, whatever. We, we forgive and uh, confess the sins of my ancestors that did that, but also my own. Then we get Jesus into these wounded places. Oh, so, this is my favorite part. I was going to ask you this question. I'm, yes. I'm glad we're going here. <laughs> yeah, so the concept is that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. The word Emmanuel means God with us. And even in the Psalms, it says, if I make my bed in the depths of hell, you're there. Now, we think logically, who would make their bed in the depths of hell? Well, we might not do it on purpose. But if I have just been traumatized and wounded and I fall into depression, I'm in that season making my bed in the depths of hell. Okay. So, but Emmanuel never leaves me. He never forsakes me. He is always with me. So I invite uh, just through the promptings of the Lord. All right, Jesus. Your word says that you were with me on the porch when I was screaming as a five-year-old, watching my parents abandon me. Jesus, where were you? What do you think about what happened here? Yo, yeah, yeah. If I could pause and, and we just don't jump plan in. This. Yes, absolutely. J just for a second. So listeners, pay attention to this for a second. So we're in a memory of a trauma and Nancy's asking me the traumatized to think where was Jesus when you were there and yes. this this is so visceral for me because I remember and I, I remember being on my auntie's porch when my uncle was screaming at my auntie from the shed and I remember looking at the top of the shed and seeing Jesus's face in the window looking at me bawling my eye I mean it just it blew my mind to say that he was actually there Yes. And, you know, for some people to think about this uh, externally, that might actually make someone angry because, and I'll be very transparent, right. I had a child, I'm a survivor of childhood sexual abuse. So my journey of going through the process, it can initially raise great anger. How dare you believe that Jesus was there and let this happen? Mm, mm, let it happen. Right? And so... He let it happen. And for some people who aren't willing to necessarily go there or they don't understand the process, it may make them very offended and angry to to think, well, if Jesus was there, he didn't stop it. Why would he have? He must have wanted this to happen to me. Mm. But when I'm willing to trust him and let him come be my comforter, because remember, he said, 
in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. So when I invited Jesus back into my horrible trauma of sexual assault, the Jesus that appeared to me was grieving for me. He was Mm. weeping for me and he picked me up out of this assault And I just sat there in my mind's eye as he played out this movie in my head and he's weeping for me, but he's washing me. He's cleansing me. And he put me, uh, he put a a, a clean outfit on me and sat me on his lap and wrapped his arms around me. Wow. And we wept together. And that was incredibly healing because I was reminded that he grieves when I'm grieved. He's angry when I am harmed. I actually had one client that uh, there was something terrible happening to them. I think uh, a bully older brother, and it was just out of control. And Jesus showed up and actually (laughs) we said, okay, Jesus, where were you? What do you think about what happened? This person started laughing and crying, and she said, Jesus grabbed my brother by the collar of his shirt and shoved him up against the oh, wall boy. to get him off. Wow. And I'm like, go, Jesus. Like, yeah, right? That's how my older brother, Jesus, would be there for me. So as we're doing these things and we're um, allowing Jesus to come in and heal this trauma, I'm also asking the client to name their emotions in the moment because uh, the emotions of the trauma is often what creates the festering wound. It's not necessarily the trauma itself. It's what I believed and what I felt in the trauma that causes me trouble later. So I felt abandoned. I felt worthless. I felt humiliated. I felt ashamed. I Jesus is my healer, so I want to give those to Jesus. All right, Jesus, now that you're here, I give you the shame. I give you my pain. I give you the the, the feeling of being abandoned. I give you the rage that's in my heart. I'm releasing that to you, Jesus. And then we ask, all right, Jesus, what do you want to give me? What do you have for me? What does this mean for me? And Jesus always rewards peace. He shows me standing on a platform with a microphone, sharing my story with other broken people. Uh, He's leading me out of this room where trauma occurred. Uh, I have to share this one memory of a client, uh, this mother. She had had an 18, 19-year-old son who was running with the wrong crowd, and I think there were maybe drugs involved or something, and it's... Something happened where her son, someone from this gang or whatever, came to their home and actually shot their son right in front of the front door. Mom is standing there, sees this happen. So the son has collapsed uh, right by the front door, and he's dying in front of her. So she's on the phone calling the ambulance, and in that season, there were no cell phones, so the phone cord is that short. Uh, cord that was physically attached to the wall so you can't just walk around she's stuck on the phone and she's 20 feet away from her son Mm. watching him taking his last breath and all of that is extremely traumatic so we get jesus jesus where were you what do you think about this situation and she starts weeping and she said 
Jesus took the phone from my hand and he has let me go be with my son as he's passing. Wow. Now, we can't make that up. No, no. We can't manufacture that. We can't. Um, and that was what her heart needed. And Jesus mm -hmm. knew that that's what her mother's heart needed. So it brought just abundant healing that the one deepest area of regret and pain for her, Jesus healed that. So good. And it's, it's life-changing. It's so good. So, so good. Uh, and this is why, listeners, I am floored every time I sit with Nancy because it reminds me of the sessions that we had and I can't wait to talk to you at the end about what that looks like Nancy uh, even for our listeners potentially but if I could bring it back to the podcast real quick and what we're talking about this week which is around this idea of time travel so with everything that you've shared what I've taken from it is that it is kind of biblical that we should be looking back into our past right absolutely um there's a couple of examples that I always go to. Uh, the first one is the woman at the well. You know, she's an interesting case study. Uh, Jesus tells her she's had five husbands, and the one she's living with now is not her husband. And if anyone knows anything about Jewish culture, they were there at noon, which was the hottest part of the day. And that is not the time of the day that women would go to the well to get water because it was hot. And so she was there with the assumption that she's avoiding all of the other people in the town because either she's ashamed or she has been ostracized. One of those two is true. But Jesus brings her past up to her mm. because she has been living out of her past. It's interesting. We make assumptions that she was divorced five times. Scriptures don't actually say that. We don't know. Uh, it's possible that she'd been widowed five times and people began to believe that she was cursed. And so the man she's living with now wouldn't marry her because he feared he would die. There's so much that we don't know about that. But either way, she's living in sin because she's living with a man she's not married to. Um, and she's already, she's got some suspicion because she's Samaritan, which is half Jew, half Gentile. And there was all these factions with that. But he's the one that you know, she says she wants living water. And he says, well, go get your husband. <laughs> and so he's the one that brings up the rubble that she's been living her life out of. And this is a beautiful statement. Once she realizes who he is, she goes back to town. And what does she do? He told me everything I ever did. So he is paying, paving the way for us to look in the past to see all the things we ever did, right? So also biblically, um, I love this statement. Third uh, John 1 verse 2 says, Beloved, I pray that in all respects that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. All right, now that soul, that word soul in the Greek means the seat of your feelings, your desires, your affections, and your emotions, mm. all right? So if my soul create is a collection of all of those, where did those come from but the past, right? So when we talk about wounds, these are soul wounds. My emotions are impacted, my feelings, my beliefs, my desires. Biblically, um, what I think Paul was writing this, or maybe John the Beloved, he said that 
I want you to prosper and be in health, physical health, just as your soul is in health. And we know, I mean, this is scientific, the connection between emotional well-being and physical well-being. Scientists who don't even believe in God will tell you that much of adult onset disease and infirmity is rooted in childhood emotional mm. trauma that was never dealt with because of the damage that it does inside of our hearts. And that makes us sick and angry and bitter and mopey and depressed and frustrated. You know, a lot of people, they think they have an okay life and they find themselves depressed. All of a sudden, I just boom out of nowhere. I can't get off the couch. I'm crying all the time. I'm unresponsive to friends and I don't know where it came from. 99% of the time, if you dig back into the rubble, you will find a deep wounding, a deep trauma, something tragic that happened that was never dealt with. Wow. Um, and biblically, you know, Jesus said in Matthew, I don't know if you're watching the Chosen series, but oh my goodness, mm -hmm. life-changing series. Um, in one of the recent episodes, Jesus is preaching, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. So if we unpack those two words, weariness is an internal condition. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I'm hurt. I'm wounded. I'm whatever. Heavy laden is other people putting things That's upon me. Right. It is being burdened. So he's talking about both what's happened to me in my heart and the things that other people have done to me. And so is that, that like an expectation? The past. Nancy, is that like expectations, like my mom's expectations of me or my wife's expectations when you're saying heavy laden? What what does that mean? Yes, it can be false responsibility. For example, the the child who was born into a dysfunctional family and both parents begin to use the child as their therapist and their advisor as a six and seven year old and asking them for decisions and and it's mm -hmm. called that's called parental inversion often but there begins to be a false responsibility that i have to be the grown up in every situation i can't just sit back and let someone else be responsible i have to fix everything and now i have to be in control of everything so yes expectations of parents um that i was never allowed to fail uh, if they withheld love from me and scorned me and isolated me when i brought home a b plus that happens often. Mm. The expectation is if I am not perfect, I will be rejected because that's my reality. So heavy laden is these things that other people have put upon me. Words people have spoken can make me heavy laden. You are XYZ. You are a loser. Nobody will ever want you. Nobody will ever love you. You're never going to change. Word curses, things like that, mm. are, are obligations, expectations, and wounds that others have placed upon me by their words and actions with me. Very cool. So it is biblical, <laughs> period. Oh, um, sure. so, so, so something that came up for me as you were speaking, um, it was a couple of points you were making ago was, and I've caught myself doing this, and more recently I've seen it in, in the different circles I've run in where somebody's had a stressful day right? I've come home from work, I maybe haven't had a chance to decompress. And then almost like another stress comes at me and I explode on somebody else when it's really not about them leaving the cup out full of milk, or not closing the fridge or not to what what is that in your world of healing? 
Nancy. <laughs> so there can be two things at work here. Um, Joyce Myers uses a phrase that says uh, it's the HALT word, the HALT. H-A-L-T. It's an acronym. Never let yourself become too hungry, too angry, too lonely, or too tired. <laughs> so I have to use that as my personal litmus test. If I allow myself to get any one of those things, I am ripe for blowing up, being offended, being hurt, where otherwise it'd be just no big deal, right? If I've had a fabulous day and the cup is out and the cabinet is open, I don't even give it a second thought. But if I'm hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, yes, it's it's a big deal, right? So part of it is my recognition of part of it is self-control. Am I taking responsibility for keeping myself healthy? Um, am I resting properly? Am I treating myself well? Do I have good boundaries? Do I have good boundaries at work? Have, have I become the person at work? Oh, let's give it to Chica. He's going to do it. He'll handle everything. And now I've got eight times the work that everyone else has and other people are skating by and I'm not getting recognition and I'm behind and I'm floundering and drowning and no one is noticing. Right. If I am allowing that, I am setting myself up for conflict at home. Right. Because this isn't healthy for me. I'm one person. I have to learn what good boundaries look like. But the second thing that could be at work in that scenario, um, I call them lenses. I'm actually writing a book right now. Yes. Called lenses of Love. Yes, I'm so excited. And it's lenses that we have picked up. Um, another word for lenses is judgments. So if I'm sitting at home uh, and I'm 11 years old and I'm doing my homework and it's almost dinner time and my mother's been busy and whatnot and my father comes home from work and he's always had stressful days and he's always a bit on edge and the cup is on the counter and the cabinet is open and he walks in and raises Cain about that and yells at my mother and makes her feel bad and makes me uncomfortable. When I see that more than a few times, mm. I take in this perception, this lens, that this is normal. This is how we do things. Even though it doesn't make me feel good, I just begin to recognize my body. Actually, there's this thing called cellular memory. And so my body begins to say, oh, well, this is how we respond in this situation. Mm -hmm. This is not something that's on the front of my consciousness, right? So fast forward me 25 years and I've come home from work and it's been a long day and I'm tired and all I want to do is rest for a moment. And I come in and there's the cup and the cabinet and I explode because that's what my father did. Yep. Yep. So wow. these these are when we look for these lenses, that's what this uh book is about is to teach us who taught me this behavior. Yes. Where did I learn that this was what we do in this yes. situation? How do we undo that? The first way we undo it is we forgive dad. Mhm. Mm we have to forgive dad for teaching me that. And then we have to renounce the lens that we're wearing. I renounce this judgment that this is how we do things. I renounce the belief system that everything better be perfect when I walk in the door after a hard day. That's part of the lens I'm wearing, right? And I have to release all that to the Lord. And then I have to ask him to give me new lenses. So good. So that's 
how that's one of the things that could be at work in that situation. Well, I'm very excited about this book, Nancy. Very excited. Me too. Um, Me too. And, th and thank you for answering that question. I've got three more things that I want to touch as we kind of turn the corner here and, and begin to wrap up this episode. Nancy, this has been really helpful. The first one is um, when I when I left our session together, you gave me a whole bunch of prayers and it was about breaking agreements. And one of the ones that I've used consistently here is around the house and walking yes. from room to room, even the door. And, and I spoke about it, about your sanctuary as well, where you get to do your client work. Uh, do you do that there? And you're like, absolutely. So can we dive into that for just a second? Maybe explain to our listeners, yes. big picture, what is that? And why would we do that absolutely. as a believer? Or if it's a person as faith? I love this question. So first of all, scripture gives us evidence that areas and environments carry spiritual memory. When Joshua crossed over the Jordan to bring the Israelites into the promised land, they stopped there and they thanked the Lord. And Joshua said, we're going to put stones of remembrance right here. And he said, these stones will hear what we say, and they will be a witness against us if we break our covenants with the Lord. Mm. So, you know, the nature is personified in scripture. The trees clap their hands. The rocks would cry out if we did not worship, right? So this is, I believe, evidence that everything has spiritual memory. Um, have you ever had a situation where you purchased a piece of furniture from a thrift store and you brought it home and then now suddenly everybody can't sleep and the kids are having nightmares? Yo. <laughs> That's real. That's real. This is That's not an episode of Stranger Things. This is for real, right? Right. This is for real. Exactly. And, uh, you know, a personal story, my granddaughter had this uh, baby blanket that just, it became her lovey, her whoopee, her, her thing. And it was starting to deteriorate a little bit. So we thought we would go buy a replacement and it was difficult to find. So we found a used one on eBay that was in good condition. And mind you, this child is a year old when oh, this happened. No. We um, gave her the baby blanket. And of course, it looks the same. She thinks it's her blanket. That night, she began having night terrors every night from 10 p.m. to midnight. She would scream uncontrollably. And she'd never done that before. This is a very peaceful child. And it took us about a week, 10 days to go, all right, something big has changed. What changed? And we're like, oh, my gosh, it's the blanket. Mm. And we put it in a trash bag and sent it in the trash. Nightmare stopped, never came back. Really? So something, yes, something spiritual that was dark was connected to that blanket. And you know, my heart actually broke for thinking of whatever the original owner child of that blanket was going through that brought this out. Now, um, Nancy, Nancy, let me let me pause for for some of our listeners. Yeah. They may be freaking out right now because they're like, Absolutely. wait, this is a whole new concept to me that memories can be transferred onto physical things that we bring in or out of our home or people. What is on yes. somebody else as they walk through my doorway could also Absolutely. therefore what transfer onto my couch. Is that what you're saying, Nancy? It sounds Stranger Things, but in a nutshell, yes. You know, we've all experienced it where the mother-in-law is a crotchety, bitter, angry. <laughs> Wait, everybody's experienced that? 
but many do, right? And she comes out of state to stay in the yeah. home. Yeah. And while she's in the home, everything is just negative and crabby and everyone's angry. And the minute she leaves, it's like someone turns the lights back on. That's a spiritual truth. This, our world really is, there's this battle between light and darkness, good and evil. The, the New Testament is full of that statement. Paul said, we don't wrestle against uh, flesh and blood. We don't wrestle against mother-in-law and my angry sister, but we are wrestling against principalities and powers and rulers of this present darkness. Okay. So when we begin to let our intellect set aside our reason, our logic, our skepticism, and we begin to go, okay, maybe there is more to this world just than what I can touch with my hand and read in a book. When I allow myself, you know, children have no problem believing that there are angels. Children have no problem believing that there are monsters in my room at night, what have you. But adults, oh, that's just child, childishness, right. child's play. But there's too much evidence in the life of Jesus because he talks about casting out unclean spirits and evil spirits and that sort of thing and how they physically impacted people. And you can read all of his stories that show evidence that when that evil was removed, that person was healed or their home was cleansed or whatever. So we have to look at life with spiritual lenses. It's interesting. The United States is one of the most educated nations on the planet. But if you go to Haiti or Zimbabwe, that or those people who have not had the spiritual things educated out of them, if you will, they absolutely recognize that there is good and evil. Mm. And it's, it's not, um, they're not freaked out by hearing that I could get a blanket that's used and it could bring night terrors into my home. Mm. So part of it is just our, our intellect. Um, we call it, you know, our, our humanistic side. We don't need all of that. Oh, God's nice. And yep, Jesus died for me. Yep. I got my, uh, my fire insurance, check the box. Now I'm going to just go live my life and make a lot of money. But the reality is we really are in a battle of good and evil. And we're behind enemy lines is what scripture says. Paul so, calls him the prince of the power of the ever, air. So I'm I'm a listener right now, Nancy, again, and I'm thinking, okay, so I get it. So so what what's this? What do you and Chica do there? What do you do for right. your home? Like how do so how do we I beat love, that or combat it? I love this concept. Um there's a an author, um, not just an author. He's a teacher named Dr. Michael Heiser. Not, don't know if you've heard his name. Um, and he's actually, uh, uh, it's very sad. He's got cancer and he's going to actually go meet Jesus within the next probably oh, three man. or four days. But his life work, he is um, a multiple PhD holder in ancient Hebrew language, Semitic language, and um, pre-exile literature that extra biblical biblical you know the bible wasn't the only book written when the bible was being written there were other books all through history we have books right and so he dives deeply into um he takes a lot of the denominational lenses out of how we read the bible today and he looks in in history but there's a concept called sacred spaces and there's evidence of sacred spaces all through the old testament where it's a sanctification process. And so, you know, when Moses saw the burning bush, 
and the angel of the Lord, who is Jesus personified, he says, you take off your sandals. This is holy ground. All right. So the ground I'm on, I need to make it holy. I need to sanctify it. Sanctification is basically I am declaring and washing this with the blood of Jesus. And I am declaring this space is dedicated to the Lord. This is his property now. I yield it to him. Whatever he wants to do here, this is his property. And it's, you know, we, by the sanctification process, we as people, we are the temple of God. We have been made holy and sanctified by the blood of Jesus. So the same thing I have the capacity to do in the environments that I live in. So I want to sanctify and cleanse my home, my environment, uh, especially, you know, before angry mother-in-law comes and brings disruption, I'm going to station all of the angels of heaven around this place to protect us. And when she leaves, I'm going to clean house spiritually and I'm going to, I'm going to forgive her, but I'm going to say whatever she brought in has to go. And I'm going to bless every place. I'm going to declare that this is a home of peace and unity and love and joy and anything that is in opposition to those. I don't allow it here. Jesus said, verbatim, I've given you all authority over the power of the enemy. So I have complete permission in his name with him and me to do this. Part of that prayer for me, when you led me through it was opening a door as well. When, when you were yes, when you were absolutely. discussing <laughs> combating the enemy. So why would you open a door? Part of it is for me in the natural scripture says, first comes the natural, then comes the spiritual. So I am in the natural opening this front door and I'm saying anything that isn't from God out, out everybody out of the pool in yep. Jesus name. So part of it is for me is a visualization of what I'm doing spiritually. It's seriously Ghostbusters. That's what you are. You, Dr. Vinkman yes, right here absolutely. just opening that door and, and letting yes. it go. Nancy, cross this is, the streams. Uh, <laughs> don't cross the streams. Um, yes. So I have, I have, I said that I had three, maybe it's like two and a half more. Um, I want to talk sure. real quickly about, um, before we talk about what you do and and how people, maybe even listeners could get in, in contact to to encourage you and to support you. For the, for the men on this podcast, Many of the men and and the listeners that have contacted us come in here just to to feed on how they can just be a better Christian man in today's culture. So from everything that you do and and all of the the constant clients that you're running into and the trauma that you're dealing with and the cleansing forgiveness and then the healing that you give, for just a regular Joe on the side of the road, whether you're in Germany, Tanzania, or America, like what would be your message to the men of today? Absolutely. So the, it may sound a little simple, but the message is that your prayers are powerful, especially if you're married. You are the spiritual head of the home, and God has placed you. Whether you believe that about yourself or you've experienced that yet, you are the spiritual head of the home. My journey to my own healing actually began because my husband made a conscious decision to get up early and start praying for me. I did not know that he was doing this. And he wasn't praying because something was really broken with me. We had a pretty decent marriage. Um, I was not the peaceful, kind person I am today. I was not a nice person. I cussed like a sailor. I was very angry, bitter, judgmental, offended. 
Holt, Holt, Holt. Hungry, angry. <laughs> what was it? Yes, hungry, angry. All of it. I yes. never halted. Yes, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. I was lonely, all tired. of the things. Okay, all of the time. gotcha. I was so offended. But something shifted when he began to just intercede for me. Lord, bless her. Give her what she needs. Be what she needs in her life. Minister to her heart. Show her her destiny. Show her who you are. That's the type of prayer that he just began praying for me. And when he began praying that is when I, very shortly thereafter, was introduced to a woman who became my mentor, oh, wow. who sat me down through my own first healing session. Yes. So I cannot under, in any way, underemphasize, overemphasize the concept of praying for your wife and your children. Now, we are often guilty of Oh, God, change her. She's such a mean, blah, blah, blah. Fix that. She's led an accusation prayer. God will not honor that prayer. No, it's, Lord, be what she needs. Heal her heart. Show me how to be the husband I need to be. Show me how to love her well. Show me how to respond to her that will make her feel safe and secure. Give her dreams from you, Lord. Encounter her in supernatural ways. Open the Bible to her in ways that she has never seen before. Protect her from her overbearing mother. Whatever it is, beginning to pray um, privately, but aloud. Praying out loud. There's something supernatural about it. You know, and I don't know that I knew this until about six years ago that Satan cannot read my mind and demons cannot hear my thoughts. Oh wait, God. wait, say that again. Say that again. Yes. Satan cannot read our minds and demons do not know our thoughts. They are not omniscient and omnipotent. Only God is omniscient and omnipotent. Satan is a fallen angel. He was a created being. He doesn't know what I'm thinking. So if I am trying to engage spiritually and bring the Lord into our lives and, and pray for my family in my head, the enemy isn't hearing me. And I'm not hearing me. The wow. word of God says faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the words of Jesus. I need to hear myself say these words. I need to hear myself say, God, I am hidden under the shadow of your wings. God, I bless my wife. I need to hear myself say these things. And when I say it out loud, the enemy hears me. And when I'm declaring I am seated in the heavenlies in Christ. Yo. The blood of Jesus flows through me, and I have his authority. Suddenly, the enemy is like, oh, like Jesus said, I'm going to resist the devil, and he'll flee from me. So when I say, you have to leave here out loud with my mouth, he is obligated and required, and the enemy will leave me. Wow. So I need to do this out loud. You know, th this is this is massive. I've, for the, probably the last six months, really struggled in bedside prayer with my wife, but I've been grabbing her hand, Nancy, and in my mind, I've been talking through all the prayers that I have for her. And so this mm -hmm. is revelation for me now that that's probably not as powerful as what you just said, which is speaking out loud. And exactly. for her, she, she often turns to me and she says, you never pray with me. And I'm like, I pray every day with you, but you're asleep and I don't want to wake you. So I'm saying it in my head. Well, now it's going to be more right. than a whisper. Now it's going to be more exactly. than a whisper. Fantastic. And when we pray, we often need to pray for our spouses away from them. Mm. Because when I'm praying with my spouse, we want to be praying about things that 
we have together, issues that are affecting our unity, issues about our children. Um, I do want to hear me. Uh, I want her to hear me bless her. Um, he needs to hear her bless him. Um, that is super valuable. But a lot of my intercession for my spouse needs to be in my own prayer closet away from my mm. spouse. Mm. If that makes sense. That's a massive and distinction. Yeah. Yes. And we want to make sure that they don't feel like they're being prayed at. Being prayed at versus being prayed with, that is also a subtle distinction. We, and I didn't used to pray out loud. It took me a couple of years to get comfortable with this. I felt really stupid. But now that I have learned how to hear the Lord back when I'm praying, because it's not a one-way diatribe, yes. it's a two-way dialogue, right? Um, I wouldn't have it any other way. I don't even, I feel like I've missed out if I haven't been praying aloud. Um, but we need to, when we're praying with each other, um, I'm going to bring up things about us as a family, about the things we're going through together that I'm going to not bring up when I'm independently Private. with the Lord, blessing my wife and lifting her up to him, if that makes sense. It does. It does. Thank you, Nancy. This is going, man, we're in prayer right now. I need to bring you back for that next episode, but uh, we are coming up on time and I've, and I appreciate it. I'm sure the listeners have as well, Nancy. So maybe you can give us an, an understanding if I'm a listener and I'm fired up right now and I want to get in touch with you or I want to get involved, but I don't live in Georgia or like how, how could, how could we support you? Can I, can I use you to, to mentor me? Like what, what would be your recommendation for the listeners? Absolutely. So the first recommendation is to go to my website. It's rebuildingtheruins.org. Uh, it is set up as a, a nonprofit. There are booking links there if someone is interested in getting their own deep dive session. Uh, I will tell you right now, there's about a six month wait. It's July before the next opening is available. Wow. Just, it's gotten, it's beautifully blessed. And so it's just very full. Um, but also is that in person or zoom as well? Sorry. Is that in person? Okay, or that, zoom? Yeah, that's either. Um, you can choose which method you wish, uh, in person or zoom. Uh, now I probably do 30 to 40% of sessions are on zoom Wow. and, and I've ministered in Wales and Ireland and all over the country. So it's anywhere. Um, and you just go to the booking link, you pick the date and time you want, answer a few questions. And it's booked. Um, I do assign some work before someone comes to see me. I want to know that someone is invested in their own journey. And so there's an expectation that there's a book that I assign and a series of 10 videos. And each video is a good 45 minutes in length. So this, this isn't a 30-minute exercise. This is a, an investment. But they're setting they're helping to set the stage and to begin to open the eyes. Oh, I've never thought about it this way. Wow. I really didn't know that I had my own identity in Christ, whatever it is. So I have a full expectation that someone is going to take an investment in their healing and start the journey by the homework I signed. But also in the resources, both on my website and on my Facebook page, there are a lot of training videos, teaching videos, messages I've delivered. So if somebody wants to dig into those, like they can do that in the next hour. <laughs> they don't have to sit and wait for me. Um, if someone is desperate for this kind of ministry and they cannot wait until July, I do have a small network of people that I can recommend and refer 
uh, they may not be as fully thorough as I've done, but can at least, you know, stop the deep bleeding, if you will, right? Uh, until someone can get in to see me. So all, all anyone has to do is reach out to me. You know, I'm desperate. I need someone right away. Who do you recommend? And then I've got a vetted list of people I personally know and have either ministered with or been ministered to uh, from those people that I would send um, so that someone can at least get the process going. Yeah. I'll, I'll include all of your details in the show notes for all the listeners. Wonderful. You can just go to the page there and Nancy, it, it has been an absolute blessing today. And again, I've just learned so I can't wait to call Jay up right after this and say mind blown once again, <laughs> uh, would you mind praying Wonderful. for us and for the listeners, Nancy, oh, yes. and, and we'll close out this episode. Absolutely. Thank you again. Yes. So the, the thought that the Lord just strapped in my heart um, is my prayer for the men that are listening um, is that the Father has a blessing for you. So many of you men who are listening did not receive the blessing of your Father. And we aren't actually taught that that matters, but it does matter. And I just want you to hear that Father God speaks a blessing over you. He affirms your sonship. Uh, he affirms your manhood. He affirms who you are as a son. Um, and he wants you to know that he's proud of you, that he planned for you from before the foundation of the earth. Um, and so I just bless everyone that is within the sound of my voice that you would begin to open your heart to receive this blessing from Father God, this acceptance from Father God, this love from Father God, this identity as his son. Through the transaction of the blood of Jesus, you became a firstborn son with all the rights and the privileges of what that looks like. And we're joint heirs with Jesus, which means we have in his inheritance. So I just bless every man today with the hunger to begin to pursue what your destiny is, what your inheritance is and what it's like to actually learn how to walk hand in hand with your loving father god i bless your destinies i bless your journeys and lord i just thank you in advance for all of the testimony that's going to come as you continue to work in these lives it's in jesus holy name amen amen nancy amen. lambon Thank you so much. And I can't wait to bring you back with Jay once this book comes out around the Loving the Lenses yes. or Lenses of Love. Lenses um, we of will love. unpack yes. that. So listeners, stay yes. tuned. And thanks again for another Absolutely. great week. Thank you. It's my honor. <laughs>